It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. What do you got? Two-minute drill presented by Ideal Home and Auto Paint. To the five, to the two, diving, touchdown! Robertson to Lemke, they got to hurry. Back to Roberts, three, puts it up, and drills it at the buzzer. Jordan Roberts, beautiful play design. How about those Dixie Flyers last night? And what about your boy Sean Feltz going all Wilt Chamberlain on Huracan? <laughs> Kyle Lemke, 23 points. On 10 of 14 shooting, couple of blocks, three of four from the free throw line. He's the MVP right now in Region 9. I know it's a three-horse race because Nash Schroeder has been gangbusters. Owen Mackey always in the discussion. But it's Lemke right now. And he's the most dominant player in Region 9 because you could just go down to him. And it didn't matter if it was a lower Campbell down there. He's going to spin one way or the other. He's going to hook it in every time. It's, it's like, it is like watching Wilt back when he was playing for the Philadelphia Warriors or whatever. He's unstoppable. And he runs the floor and he, you know, we were talking with Coach. Here's what Coach Roberts had to say about him yesterday about Kyle Lemke's game from last year where he was dominant to where he's gotten even better this year. This is from yesterday's show. Roberts into Lemke. They got to hurry. Sorry, wrong one. The one is leadership. You know, of course, he started as a sophomore, but just kind of now it's like he's been around, right? So that leadership yeah. is huge. Uh, two would be his body. Um, he's gained a lot of weight, a lot of strength. He's thick. His quickness, he's actually able to jump, you know, good right now. So then working on his body. And then three is just his overall game. He's, he's played a lot of games, but he's also spent a lot of time with skill development, which Games are important, but you have to work on your skill and then put it together, obviously, in a game. And he's just been very, very good around the rim. And then we've extended his shooting where he hasn't really had to shoot the three that much, but he can. And that's what he'll need at the next level as well. Love it. The Warriors battled in that game, made it a one-possession game at halftime. And then Dixie just came out and extended their lead and won big, you know, by 15 or whatever by the end of the game. I, I think I think for Coach Roberts, with this team where he's playing six, it's a six-man tight rotation. Until the very end of the game, they brought in a seventh guy who got a minute. But it's a tight rotation. It is a transition team. It's a great perimeter defense team where they generate live ball turnovers that convert into buckets because of how aggressive they are getting into passing lanes. But it's a Kyle Lemke team. It's a big man. That is your best player. Um, And I think when you get to the tournament... If your best players, the, your your big man, your 6'10", 6'11", guy, traditionally, teams like that aren't the teams that win the title. If your player, if your best player is your big guy, the tournament converts to being about guards. And I think we saw this a little bit last year where in the championship game, Lemke's just blitzed. There's four guys on him, right? Um, he, he still had an efficient game where he scored however many he did in that in that championship game last year against Skyview. But the tournament has a way of limiting the opportunities a big man can dominate in the biggest games against the best teams. So I think for Dixie, who was close in that game, 
And I think a lot of people feel, including me, that they are the, even though they're two in the RPI behind Leighton Christian, they're the odds-on favorite at this point to win the win the title. I think it, you've got to show that if Lemke has a game in the championship where he doesn't get a lot of clean looks, he doesn't get the ball because they're just taking him out of the game. He scores 10, 12 points. Can you get 30, 40 points from your support crew? And we saw Jordan Roberts last night go off in the second half. He's had 10 assists, but he also had 20 points. He's going to the cup. He is so shifty in the paint. He's crossed Tim Hardaway, crossing people over on the perimeter, spinning, uh, fading away off the glass. His ability to score in traffic is, is really fun to watch. And then... To my supporting cast point, Larry, Logan Whitehour yesterday, 18 points, dominated the first half for him, was kind of that uh, supporting cast member of Lemke who who went off, a lot of backdoor cut, shooting really well. Brecken Robinson, one of the most accurate three-point shooters in the region, didn't get a, just wasn't a, a game where he got a lot of looks against Snow Canyon. So they have the guys around Lemke. I guess my point is, if you go through the state champs year by year, Skyview last year didn't have a classic big. They had a bunch of 6'5 guys with length on the perimeter. They won the title. In 22, Snow Canyon did. They had Lyman Simmons. But if you look at those games, he was the MVP of the of the classification. If you go back to the tournament, if I remember right, Mackey had a great tournament as a sophomore. You had Bowen Hammer helping out, and Simmons was scoring 12, 13 points a game in the biggest stage because possessions are limited, and the ability to blitz a big man off the block in the tournament, that's just how it works. 21 Cedar wins. They didn't have a, uh, their best player wasn't a big man. They just had five great players. Six, you know, seven off the bench, too. That was a well-rounded Cedar team, but not with a dominant. Munson was good, but he wasn't their best player. You go back to 2020 when Dixie won. Noah Lemke, dominant defensive force, rim protector. I think Kyle is a more polished offensive player. I mean, Kyle's averaging 20-something points a game. Noah was averaging like 12 points a game as an offensive player. Was a dominant force in the paint, but Isaac Finlinson as a junior was the best player on that state championship winning team. 2019, Skyview wins. Their best player wasn't the big man. Sam Phipps was really good, but Falslev was by far their best player and the best player in the state that year. Then let's go back to 2016. So skip a couple years to when Dixie won it again in 2016. Tyler Bennett was their best guy. Richard Guyman, I think that was his junior year. He was their big, really good, probably their second best player, but they were led by Bennett. So my point is... Dixie, in my mind, is the favorite to win the state championship. They're playing six guys right now who could put, they could play five guys. These guys are so well conditioned and are so good defensively on their rotations and so disciplined in transition and ping pong in the ball around in the half court. And whether they go down to Lemke and Lemke kicks it out or, or, or not, it's just organic. Everything they do and how many minutes they've played together, it's it's uh, beautiful to watch. And so we'll see if they can keep getting through the rest of region play unbeaten. I mean, um, well, some team's going to have to make 13 threes or something in region, I think, because Dixie's that good. Anything else from last night's game over at the Hangar? Hangar is a great, I mean, 
I've heard people talk about, oh, Dixie might update their gym or maybe they should update their gym and make, you know, a new one that's kind of in the same format of all the, you know, Desert Hills and Crimson and Hurricane and pretty much everybody at this point. I like the hanger, man. And if I'm Dixie, I like the hanger because that is a hot box for the opposition. That's like that's like playing in Cameron Indoor with the fans. It's just a small, intimate gym. Both student sections were awesome last night. I, I keep the hanger for forever if I'm if I'm the Flyers. For Snow Canyon, Mackey was awesome, twenty seven points. In fact, really, and shot the ball pretty well. Uh, Dre Smith shot the ball pretty well. Um, it just came down to when you're hitting threes to kind of battle back, and then Dixie can just in the second half just go down to Lemke, and he's just going to turn her and just. That's just debilitating. When your opposition can just go down to this guy who's unstoppable. I don't know. I mean, he missed a couple of shots, but he's shooting like 70-something percent from the field. Just a remarkable performance against a good Snow Canyon team by Lemke. Anything else on that one, Lawrence? Dixie was 3 of 13 from 3. Not stupendous. They're 40% as a team this year, which is good. And if you look at their three-pointers made compared to the top of the RPI right now, Dixie's making about five threes a game. Leighton Christian's making about five threes a game. Green Canyon's making about seven a game. So that's good. All of those are good numbers, but they're not, you know, crazy three-point attempts and numbers. It's just kind of a more uh, well-balanced offensive scheme as opposed to uh, a lot more teams nowadays who are just saying three-point is our priority. Green Canyon's lost a couple games in a row, Larry. So watch out for that. Crimson wins 76-64. How about Sean Feltz? 39 points for Big Sean. Remarkable. Five, you got the win over Cedar. 67-55. Nash Schroeder, 29 points. Landon Kreitzer had 17 points. We'll have games for you on Friday. Pineview at Crimson Cliffs will be on ESPN. That'll be a good one. Desert Hills at Dixie will be on 890 KDXU. Other game is Hurricane will be at Snow Canyon. I don't know why you're applauding, Lawrence. Are you applauding for yourself? No. All right. Next topic. What do we got? Bring it on. Get your mouth shut. Once again, we're coming to you from Dicka's Restaurant in Harness, Chicago. See that? That's your IQ, buddy. Zero. Home to a certain team from a certain town. Home for a Polish sausage. Get your mouth shut. Jack Bags. Now on the Andy Thompson Show. Shout out Mike North, WSCR, The Score, Chicago, Illinois, 1998. Let's see. We've got... Uh, we got a jag bag on a Thursday, Larry. Who do we got? You know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way. And, you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way. You lose the right way. You carry yourself the right way. You don't go through the handshake line or proud to get into the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that. You know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless, and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We never go into games trying to hope to win. We go into games expecting to win. So we don't act like that. 
You know, we expect to win. We don't jump up and down like, like we won a national championship. We sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way. We don't do that. You know, so that's what I was angry about. And I was letting those guys know you don't do that. You know, you guys won. Hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip our head to you, but we're not going to let you act that way in our building. You're not going to do that. You're not going to put your horns down and do all that nonsense. And win the game, Coach Terry, Rodney Terry, uh, University of Texas, upset that UCF, UCF comes into Austin and beats Texas. This is a team in Texas that went to the Elite Eight last year under Terry. He's ticked off. They're doing the, the horns down sign in the in the handshake line. And first of all, the horns down isn't a swastika. It's not a slur. I remember when some lame coach at Texas, I don't think it was Sarkeesian. I don't know if it was Strong or Muschamp or even going back to Mac, but they were complaining about they wanted flags thrown because Oklahoma was doing horns down after they scored a touchdown. And it's like, Texas, get over yourself. And what what Terry uh, needs to understand is he's coaching a top, what, five most hated university in the country. In college basketball, Duke is by far number one. But overall, you got Texas, you got USC, you got Michigan, you got Notre Dame, you got Duke, you got Texas. You're coaching a team that everybody loves to hate. And UCF came into your home gym. UCF, this loser program whose first year in the Big 12 vaunted Big 12 conference with eight ranked teams and all this stuff. They put it on you and beat your butt. And you broke some cardinal rules of coaching. And this is why you're a jag bag today, Coach Terry. Here's rule number one. Don't coach other coaches' players. This is something that Coach K would do after he would lose big games. He would go and talk to the other guy's players and say, hey, I didn't like that you did that. That's a cla- kind of similar to what Terry did. And if I'm the other team's coach, who in this case handled Terry's talking to his players admirably and with a lot of respect... I'm saying don't talk to my guys. If I've got a problem with them doing some stupid hand signal to taunt when they just won the biggest game of their season, I'll go talk to them because those are my players. And you're talking about what we do at Texas and how much class we have when we win. Well, we don't know what you do when you win because you just got your butt kicked by the Knights of UCF. Rule number two that you broke, take your beating when you lose and shut up about it. Rule number three, don't lose to UCF at home. Coach Rodney Terry, you are a jag bag. Sport Hall. Butch, 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 butch. Delora wants to air it out. Singer, the adjustment, hauls it in. What a catch. Singer with the touchdown. and. How about those Dixie Flyers last night? And what about your boy Sean Feltz going Judas all real Chamberlain Did Utah and BYU lose our game more from Portal in the first window? Did Utah, did Utah and BYU lose or gain more in the Portal in the first window? Well, first of all, let's start with Utah. Utah getting Dorian Singer. is It's like when... Um, 
It's like when the Raiders drafted last year, they drafted that defensive lineman, Tyree Wilson. They drafted him seventh. He was from Texas Tech. And anytime there's a defensive player drafted from Texas Tech in the NFL, it's like mind boggling because it's Texas Tech is not they're the air raid. They don't play. They give up 50 points a game. How does anybody from their defense get enough attention, first of all, for Mel Kuyper to get their hands measured so that they can get drafted to play defense in the NFL? It's not a defensive school, is my point, Lawrence. So I remember when the Raiders drafted this guy from Tech, and he's a defensive end. It's like, what? What is happening? That's what it's like having Utah have a good receiver. And for the Dorian Singer who two years ago to Arizona was one of the best receivers in the country, who chooses USC, goes to USC, doesn't have a good year. I don't know what the heck happened. Now he's leaving USC to come to Utah. My question is why? And my second question is who is scoring these transfers? Because they got another talented guy from Washington who's a freshman who didn't play, who's semi-heralded or whatever. Why are you coming to Utah? And two, is it Ludwig? Who's signing these guys? It's unbelievable. The last, when is the last Utah receiver to have a thousand yard season? Covey's best season at Utah was like 600 yards. The last Utah receiver to be drafted in the NFL was Kalen Clay, 2015. They've had one receiver drafted in the entire Pac 12 era. Washington has like three thousand yard receivers like every year why would he choose utah it's dumbfounding but whoever inked that deal and i think it i don't know if it's the trucks i don't know who we should be giving credit to but it's an, an incredible fortuitous situation that singers come and tayshawn Lyons is the other guy from washington they got a tight end from ucla who's supposed to be pretty good those are some of the big name additions now the big name departures on balance, kind of bug, too, if you're a Utah fan. Jaquinta Jack- Jackson's going to Arkansas. Utah always reloads at the running back position, but Jackson was good, and it was a good story that they developed this guy who was supposed to be a quarterback, turn him into a running back, and he ran hard and was physical and good. To Travis Broughton, who was one of your better cover corner defensive backs with Miles Battle and... Uh, the other guy, he's gone. Broughton's going to TCU. Interconference transfer. That's not good. Mikey Matthews, who I was so excited about this year because I was like, Utah got a bona fide four-star, highly touted recruit out of California at the receiver position. Once again, why did he choose to go to Utah? He comes, doesn't have a great year. They don't throw to him. They got the pig farmer in there. So he's getting the heck out of Dodge. But he's going to Cal. Why on earth would he go to Cal? I know he's from there probably, but why Why are you going to play in the the uh, Mountain West negative 2.0? And, of course, the pig farmer going to Utah State. So, on balance, I would say it's fairly even, but getting singers, that's a sexy signing. So, credit to the youths for that. Let's go to BYU. Um, I don't got a lot on BYU. Let me just say Gary Bohannon is the best guy they got. And I think I think they know that. 
because they got a million guys in their quarterback room. They got Finnegan still. They got Retzliff. They got Billups. They've got Cole Hagen, Ryder Burton. They got the transfer from Western Michigan, who's, you know, didn't seem too impressive to me. And they got Bohannon, who hasn't had, who was at Baylor and then was injured. And this is like his seventh year. It's, it's kind of like Slovis. It's, it's, it's exactly Slovis, except, except I guess Bohannon doesn't have the positives that Slovis. Slovis had that one year at USC where he was throwing to Randy Moss and Jerry Rice and uh, Chris Carter for the Trojans and threw for a bunch of yards. And then it sucked. And I like Slovis. Ah, I take that back. Didn't suck. He was fine. He did exactly what you wanted him to, wanted him to do. He won you, you know, five games or whatever. I like Slovis. I take that back, Larry. Cut that, by the way. Cut that. Cut that from the podcast. Yes. All right. Bohannon. We like Bohannon. I think he'll be fine. Go get somebody. This is what BYU does. They go. They respect the quarterback position. They go get people. Who's Utah got? Nobody. Cam's going to get hurt in the second possession of the year, and they're going to have to take him out and euthanize him. And who's coming in? Isaac Wilson? I don't think so. So Bohannon's good for BYU. I I didn't, I don't know. I don't know enough about the guys at BYU got to answer that question uh, sufficiently. While we're on BYU, Larry, let's do the letter. Let's do the letter we got. You can write the sport hole, by the way, anytime. 750 West Ridgeview Drive. Standard postage. Uh, St. George, Utah, 84770. What do we got, Lawrence? Letter to the sport hole. You can write to the sport hole at 900-3776. All right, letter to the sport hole is brought to you by balanceofnature.com. Balanceofnature.com, that's real fruit, real veggies, real nutrition, real science, real nutrients, and it's all in a capsule. Balanceofnature.com. Don't be one out of the nine of ten Americans that don't get their proper serving of fruits and veggies. Balanceofnature.com. All right, Larry. This is from Jody. This is a character letter from Jody who writes this often. Dear Sport Hole, all of these BYU fans are bragging about Puka Nakua, but I'm wondering how much credit BYU should take. First, he started at Washington. Second, he's literally a top six receiver in the world right now. Top six receiver in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I see what he's doing. Because Puka was second team all pro, right, Larry? Yes. This year. So, top six receiver in the world right now. BYU had him for two years with an NFL quarterback. And he was above average. And he was above average, didn't come close to a 1,000-yard season. I think he had an 800-or-something-yard season, his second to last year. He was hurt a lot. BYU should be shamed by that. All the best, Jody. Well, let's see. So Puka's second to last year at BYU... He had a good year. I think that was his 800 yards. I, I don't know how many touchdowns he had, six. But but I think the point is taken, Jody, that it seems like he should have been a 1,200-yard receiver with 10 touchdowns at BYU with Jaron Hall throwing to him. Absolutely. I think, that's a, I think that's a good point. 
I think BYU fans would say, well, he was hurt. His ankle was always messed up or whatever. Uh, especially that last year when BYU had a rough year uh, that he was there. So um, I think BYU should take a lot of pride because Puka had the best rookie year ever of any receiver in the history of the dang league, and he's an alumni from your school. How can you not take credit for that? And who cares that he came to you at Washington should be ashamed. If anybody should be ashamed, it should be Washington and the dope coach that was there before DeBoer for not knowing what the heck to do with Puka. So BYU should feel like, ah, maybe we should have, we had something maybe that we could have done a little bit better with. We sucked with him. But, you know. That's like, should should Utah State fans feel shamed that Jordan Love is winning in the playoffs when his last year at Utah State, they sucked with Gary Anderson? I don't think so. I think they're, I think they're over the moon that he is doing well in the NFL because it, it brings pride to the program. Should Wyoming be ashamed that they sucked with Josh Allen? Probably. Probably. Maybe you got a point, Jody. I don't know. Josh Allen won like six, seven games or something at Wyoming his last year there. Maybe you should be ashamed. I don't know. Anything else on that one, Lawrence? Do you have a take on that one? No. Do you think BYU fans should feel like, hey, we didn't know what we had with Puka? Yes. Oh, you do think that. I think they know what they had. I mean, Puka was the best receiver prospect out of Utah that I can think of in my lifetime. I think they knew how good he was. I think that's why he went there. They were just not great. I mean, he had... we got to look up his stats. I know he never got 1,000 yards. I also know he was hurt a lot. All right, next next topic, Lawrence. We can figure that out later. What do you got? The Sport Hall. Sports, 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 sports. I don't care if you throw 100 miles an hour. I don't care if you throw 120 miles an hour. There's a catcher behind home plate, and that catcher catches that ball every time with a glove. Only thing I did was change the object from glove to a bat. Did you see Chipper Jones's story about Barry Bonds? Ah, Barry there. Giving some instruction about hitting. I did see it. Uh, This is Chipper Jones talking about what an a-hole Barry Bonds was. This is from Sportpedia or wherever today. Quote, Jones asked Barry Bonds if he would be willing to sign a couple of baseballs for him, one for me and one for charity. Even though this could have been a simple exchange that took no more than five minutes, Chipper recalled how the San Francisco Giants legend looked down on him. Chipper said that Bonds had asked him to come back and ask him again during batting practice, something that the Atlanta Braves star did. However, Bonds seemingly set up the meeting only to reject him, something that Jones took as an offense. Quote, I have an ego but would never disrespect another player like that, Jones said of the exchange, especially Chip. That's a Hall of Famer. Are you in the Hall of Fame, Barry? No. No. Uh, It's a great story that demonstrates how big of a jerk uh, Barry Bonds was. I watched that untold 
Barry Bonds Balco thing. All those untolds are great, by the way. 30 for 30s are all great. The Untold series on Netflix, those are all great. Learned a lot about Balco and Barry just rubbing that stuff all over his forearms and his bald head and hitting 73 dingers because of it. Not just because of it, but people who say steroids doesn't help you hit, you know, it's it's hand-eye coordinate. No, it does. If you're physically stronger in your arms and in every part of your body, you hit with your whole dang body. It's not just your hand-eye coordination. That helps you hit home runs. Now, he had obviously the talent and all that stuff to hit anyway, but adding that that recovery and the muscle mass and the how quick, I mean, he would allow the ball to get to his back hip before he would trigger. He could see the ball so, that's why he walked a thousand times, you know? So yes, yeah, steroids help Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs. Just like it helped Mack and Sosa and Palmero and all the other Reuters. Of course. Um, oh, we got our top five a-holes in baseball history, right, Larry? All right, let's uh, let's do that. What do we got? Let's go with number five. This is number my Number five. Albert Bell, another Reuter who was a complete maniac who, um, let's see, with the Indians and with the White Sox, he would kill somebody. If you threw chin music to Albert Bell, he was, uh, he had roid rage, and so he was going to kill you. Number four. Speaking of roid rage, coming in at number four, Roger Clemens, uh, The Rocket. Uh, you remember that bat throw against Piazza? I think he's mellowed out in his older age. I see him in, in interviews, and I'm like, ah, oh, Raj is okay. Uh, when he went from Boston to Toronto and then to New York, sold his soul to go play for Steinbrenner. Uh, number four A-hole. All time, by the way. This is not just my lifetime. This is ever. Let's go to, to uh, number, number three. Number three. Roberto Alomar. This is the guy who spat in the face of... The umpire, was it Angel, uh, what's his name? The umpire who's horrible? Or was it another guy? Jeez, Larry, I forget so much crap. I forget everything that's happened to me in life. But anyway, he spits in a playoff game uh, in the face of the umpire. That might be his only sin. Look into Roberto Alomar. Maybe he shouldn't be three, but that's pretty egregious when you spit on another grown man's face. Uh, with a million or you know, back when uh, many million people were watching uh, playoff games of Major League Baseball. All right, let's go to number two. Number two. This was tough. Narrowing down number one, number two. Number two is Ty Cobb. And Ty Cobb needs another movie made about him because the one that was made in like the 90s, Cobb, Tommy Lee Jones is Ty Cobb. I think I tried to watch it once. Maybe I need to try it again. Is that movie any good, Larry? I don't know. I feel like Ty Cobb deserves another movie, just like The Great Bambino deserves another movie. The movie that was made with John Goodman playing the babe was great when I was seven, but let's make a real movie about Babe Ruth and get a you know a new movie made. It's kind of like a... You know how Lincoln had a movie and they got Daniel Day-Lewis? Let's get the the bigger, fatter version of Daniel Day-Lewis to suit up in pinstripes and play Babe Ruth. Let's get a movie made, Larry. Judas Priest. And then number one. And at number one. 
not even close. It's Bonds. Barry Bonds, Larry. Uh, Jim Leland hated him. I'm sure Dusty Baker hated him. Every player hated him. Now, Chipper hates him, but he says, by far the best player to ever play the game. By far. Nobody's even close to Barry Bonds. He might be right about that, but no doubt about it. Bonds, the uh, biggest a-hole uh, in baseball history. Maybe of any of the big three sports, Lawrence. Um, I mean, Draymond is up there. I'm trying to think of football guys. Football has a way of humbling people, I think. Whereas basketball, there's a lot more. You don't get you don't get humbled as much as a basketball player. Same with baseball. So all the a holes seem to me to be in baseball and basketball. Football, I can't really think of. There's one jump off the page to you, Larry, of somebody who was. It, everybody hated. Like even modern guys. I know Richard Sherman people didn't like because he yelled that you know that El, uh, Aaron Andrews thing. But I like I like Sherman. Ah. All the quarterbacks are like even Baker. Even Baker, who is a complete pie hole in college, and I didn't like him, and he was so cocky, and I like him now. He's been humble. He sucked hard to be good in football. Everybody gets humbled. Basketball, everybody's scoring 25 points and, you know, all that crap and none of the games matter. You don't get physically dominated like you do in football. So you can be cockier. All right. Did you like that list, Larry? Yes. Thank you. Next topic. What do we got? The sport hall. Sports, 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 sports. Oh, speaking of Baker Mayfield, this leads into our next topic. Go ahead, Lawrence. Look, I've always been a Baker fan. This is Dan before. Campbell. I loved him when he was coming out. I tell this story. Um, this, to me, said a lot about him. And I went and worked uh, Blake Andrews out when he was coming out of OU. They came out the same year, tight end. And uh, so, so I went out there. Well, his quarterback... You know, it's cold, but he, he, you know, he comes out there. I think he's got, like, flip-flops on. It's Baker. Baker's going to throw for him. Well, Baker threw for every one of his guys that was coming out that year, and I think he'd already had two private workouts the two days prior, and he had one that afternoon, and I think the one the next day. So that just says a lot about the guy. There's no wonder why people uh, rally around him and follow him because he's that type of teammate, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys who wouldn't do that. Well, i got to save my arm. I've got so-and-so club coming in. That wasn't him. So, um, you know, you can respect stuff like that now. Look, yeah, that's Dan Campbell talking about Baker Mayfield. There's respect. I think he was talking about... Uh, I think he was talking about... What's his name? Mark Andrews. And Blake, the other tight end at Oklahoma, whose name I can't remember. Um... Yeah. Oh, what's the question, Lawrence? Sorry. You had a question to accompany that? Who do you want to win this weekend in the NFL playoffs? Uh, great question. It's tough. Baker is an interesting case because it's hard to overcome the frat boy kind of. How do you cheer for some frat boy punk cocky? And how it works is, like I said before, he sucked. He got his butt kicked. And now he's kind of fighting back. And then you can start cheering for him, right? You get humble, it's easier to cheer for a guy. So you've got you got Baker in the Motor City. I'll be cheering for Campbell. I'll be cheering for the Lions until they lose. They're my number one this year, Larry. 
even though I kind of like Baker now. Uh, Green Bay, San Francisco, obviously cheering for Green Bay. Even though I respect San Francisco, I respect like Wendell, Wendell, Waylon yesterday. I like San Francisco. I like their their way of doing things. I like they. San Francisco has an all pro at every level of the team or multiple ones at every unit of the team. They've got an all pro. So that's just great management. It's great drafting. It's great everything. They do it the right way is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Green Bay is a 10-point dog or something in San, in San Francisco rooting for the Packers. I'll give my Skeeter beaters tomorrow at the top of the show. Houston versus Baltimore. I'm cheering for Houston. C.J. Stroud, who I was dead wrong about, having a great year. And NBC, he bore testimony after his last win, and NBC edited it out on their social media post. So they're getting hammered now for uh, cutting out his religious comments before he went into the other stuff. They might get canceled. And then Kansas City is at Buffalo. I'll be cheering for them. I'm sick of the Bills. I don't want the Bills to go to the Super Bowl. Heaven forbid. But you got to cheer again. Even though I love Andy Reid, you got to cheer against KC this year. Right, Larry? Yes. I don't want to deal with Buffalo's crap. All right. What's next? Bring it on. We're going to wrap it up. What, what do you got? Life is happening for you, not to you. And if you keep going, it will open. It's time for a life coach in the sport hole. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Life coach is brought to you by Bucks Ace Hardware. Check out Bucks Ace 3 Southern Utah locations. Usually these are sarcastic things that I give. This one is not. This is a jam. I'm being earnest, Larry. Take walks. I know you've heard it before. I look at people that exercise as complete suckers. These guys that go to the gym and change and work out every day or the, you know, the... The moms that do that, all of the schlepping around to the gym, that takes a lot of effort. You got to get babysitters or you got to go and you got to change and you got to have a workout outfit. You got to get a membership and wait for your machine and wipe off the sweat and all that crap. Going to a gym is a sucker's errand. But walking, that's all you need to do. Um, I started walking. I walk in the morning and I walk in the afternoon. It's great. It's a way to rest your brain and to re... You lose your will to live after lunch. After lunch, you want to take a nap. You, you're, you've already caffeinated yourself. That's not going to hit anymore. You've lost your will to live. Go take a walk. That's all I'm saying, Lawrence. Do you walk? No. Well, I recommend it. Take a couple of laps. Especially now in St. George, the weather's walkable. Um... That's my earnest life coach. I would recommend it. And I hope I keep doing it. You know? I don't have any New Year's resolutions, but if I had one, it would be take walks. In the morning, get the blood pumping or something. I don't know what it does because it's not like I'm jogging. It can't. I'm, I'm getting no cardio. Zero. I haven't gotten cardio since last year's Utah Summer Games, which is the last time I played basketball, running up and down the court. I'm getting no cardio. I'm getting no 
elliptical, no weightlifting, no, uh, I don't eat well, but I walk. <laughs> and I reckon it's great. That's my life coach, Larry. You like that one? Yes. Will you commit to walk? Do you want to go on walks with me? I mean, we're sitting here today. We're sitting here all day together. We could go for a walk in the afternoon. No. Quick break. Back with more on the Andy Thompson Show with Rustin Burnside when we come back. Thanks for being with us.